Welcome to the Insider World Building Podcast, the place where you can experience life in another dimension, told from the perspective of a visitor to that dimension. I'm Fox Keys. That visitor is me. That dimension is called Dunari. And I have lived here since I was tricked into passing through an interdimensional gateway just after my 14th birthday. This episode, the last episode in Series 1, I will summarise Series 1 and introduce the topics I'll cover in Series 2. To begin with, summarising all 12 episodes of Series 1 is practically impossible. Why? Because each of these 12 episodes is already a summary of what I've experienced in Dunaree and I've no clue how to summarise a summary. Instead, I will describe what I learned in those first few weeks in Dunery. Firstly, I learned how to look at my own life in Ireland differently. My life in Ireland had often felt slow and boring. School, homework, rainy days, endless trouble in Northern Ireland and crap TV, blah, blah, blah. In the midst of this boredom, I had often dreamed about adventure. Dunaree certainly wasn't the type of adventure I had ever imagined or wanted. But when I was trying to understand Dunaree, it really helped to reference my own life. In the unfamiliar world of Dunaree, I discovered that the best way to understand this unfamiliarity was to compare it to the familiarity of back home. Instead of focusing on the crazier elements in Dunaree, like my first guide being a dead cat, I learned to look for matching elements of both worlds. They had chairs here, and they had chairs back home. Gantic's fortress had a kitchen. We had a kitchen in our house back home. They ate bread and fruit and vegetables in both worlds. By making these comparisons, it helped you understand that if even if Gantic's kitchen was one of the most fantastical things I'd ever seen, It was still a kitchen. In short, I became more aware of my surroundings, and this stopped me from going absolutely loopy. I will pause here for a very quick world-building tip. No matter what kind of world you are creating, if you use elements of your current life in the process, it will help boost your awareness of both this world and your fictional creation. Go into your kitchen. Have fun imagining how that kitchen would look in your fictional world. Then create that kitchen in your fictional world. Anyway, to continue, I learned a lot of other things in my early Dunery days. Mostly, these were the ground rules to understanding a new world. Which, surprisingly, apart from the magic, the monsters and the mayhem, wasn't too different from learning the ground rules to surviving Ireland in 1995. Ganhag's first rule was that I couldn't leave my room for a few days. He said I needed to take things slowly, absorb what I saw under controlled conditions, so my mind could handle it. Doonery was terrifying, exciting and frustrating. I wanted to sprint through it. Ganhag forced me to take baby steps. I called this room Room Zero because it was my ground zero in Dunaree. Before I could adjust to the fortress, 
and the associated dangers within it. I needed to get used to my room and this crazy stuff in there first. Sounds crazy, of course. But I needed a starting point in Dunaree. A place where I felt safe before I explored it any further. World building tip number two. How could my experience of being confined to room zero help you build out your world? Having the equivalent of a room zero gives you a starting point in your world. An anchor point. A place to look out from and start building the world around you. By constraining your world into one small room, you will encourage your imagination to create the details within that room. These details will then help form the foundation to better create a more realistic world outside. Here is an example. What is the power source in your room zero? Where does it get supplied from? How is the power produced? Who controls this power? And so on and so on. Without even leaving the room, you now may have some ideas about the powers that support your world. So now I'll return to my own crazy tale. For numerous reasons, not least my own safety, after I was allowed leave room zero, I was still confined to Ganhook's fortress compound. And, just like my parents back home, Ganhook had more house rules than I care to remember. I needed to memorise them all. And believe me, there's no greater way to memorise rules than by discovering the consequences when you break them. An example of this was the day I attempted to escape from the compound. The fortress compound's walls were a good ten metres high. While I could reach the top of the wall by climbing sheds on the inside of the compound, I needed rope to drop down the far side. I also needed something to help me over the fangs that topped the wall like spikes. I decided to make a rope from bedsheets. This wasn't as easy as it sounded. Ganhook's house rule number two was that my sleeping hours were between 7pm and 7am. If I attempted to use the bed in my room outside these hours, the bed would react to me. I had already experienced this, and it was fair enough. But Ganhook had neglected to say that the sheets on the bed would react if I tried to use them between these hours too. Those blasted sheets, no matter how I knotted them, they unwound like snakes. Worse still, when they got tired of this treatment, they wound around my legs, forcing me to hop about like I was in a sack race. After toppling face first a few times, I gave up. This gave Shiny Top a great laugh, of course, which I suppose meant it wasn't all for nothing. I paid more care to Ganhook's house rules after that. World building tip number three. In a world building context, can you create any ground rules for your characters? Every world has rules. So, perhaps start from the bottom with some simple ground rules. And work your way up from there to more complex rules. Rules that can affect everybody. Before I even left the compound, I needed to learn about illness and disease. Just like the Spanish conquistadors decimated the Americas by bringing European diseases like smallpox and measles across the Atlantic, I could have decimated Dunaree too, simply by carrying some illness the Dunaree folk had no immunity to. I needed to be kept under quarantine in Ganhook's fortress. 
I also needed to be inoculated against urinary diseases. And inoculations don't cover everything. There are plenty of common illnesses here too. Spirit voice is an example. They call it spirit voice because it was once believed that the spirit of a dead person was attempting to inhabit your body so that that dead person could find their voice again. The spirit would lodge in your throat and make you sound like you were somebody else. Of course it's nonsense. The reality is it's only a throat infection. But superstition runs rife. The first time I had spirit voice, I went into a sweet shop to get some sugar chocolate to cheer myself up. Unfortunately, because I was so hoarse, the shopkeeper couldn't understand what I wanted. Trying to be helpful, I croaked, I've lost my voice. Turns out, they take things quite literally here. He thought I'd actually lost my voice, and that this lost voice might take up residence in his shop and start whispering mischief into his customers' ears. He ran me out of the shop. In series two, I will examine more complex illnesses. There's a sneak peek at one of these illnesses later in this show. World building tip number four. Can you create an illness for your world? Start simple. Create an illness that will complicate things for people without complicating the world or the story too much. This will introduce the concept of illness to your audience. You can always save the pestilence and plague for later on. Going back to Doonery, I also learned that I wasn't alone, that I had lots of help in Doonery. If you're going to navigate a new world, you need guides. Not just one, but many. Each dedicated to showing you different aspects of your world. A museum guide can't show you around the National Park. You need a park guide for that. That's why you do need different guides. I thought Ganhook was going to be my Doonery guide. He was too busy, so he introduced me to Shiny Top and Steincat. Shiny Top is the ghost of an executed thief imprisoned in a walking stick. Steincat walks on her hind legs, talks like a game show host, and has 999 lives. Whenever she violently loses one of those lives, a ghost of that life is created. And because of each of these ghosts have been formed due to them encountering deadly danger, these ghosts were ideally placed to teach me about those deadly doonery dangers. Take ghost cat number five, for example. One of the intruder detection spells protecting Ganhu's compound killed her when she strayed into a no-go area in the fortress. She called those intruder detection spells common dangers, which they were. They're just a magic-powered home protection entity that many homes in Doonery have. She said I needed to learn how to handle all the other common dangers in Doonery, or I would die quickly too. The things she was talking about were power sources, spells, certain spirits, machines, and all the stuff the Doonery people took for granted, but were lethal to visitors. Up until then, I'd focus more on unreal things, like monsters or magicians that might kill me. I had never thought about the ordinary things that could do me in. To put this into context, imagine you use a time machine to pluck a peasant from the Middle Ages. You drop them into your kitchen and told them to make you dinner. 
How long would that peasant last? Probably not long. Electrocution, a gas explosion, maybe a heart attack triggered by a smoke alarm going off. All the things we take for granted today would kill that peasant. So, starting from scratch, I had to learn about everything the Dunery folk took for granted if I was going to survive in the most basic form. Another world building tip. Tip number five. So, who will guide you around your world? And what are the common dangers your guide will protect you from? What are the commonplace things you would teach a child about before you'd ever let them near them? And here I will give a little side note about Steincat's ghosts. These ghosts all had enormous egos. I always thought that was a bit rich considering they all died from being dumb. Of course, dealing with common dangers wasn't my only priority back then. When you have to deal with dead cat ghosts, a spirit imprisoned in a stick, and potential death around every corner, before you even get outside your front door, your top priority was staying alive. Not feeling sorry for myself was another thing I quickly learned. While passing through the interdimensional gateway was a personal disaster, it was also an incredible opportunity. I was young. The whole fame and fortune thing appealed to me. Once I escaped back home, the book I'd write about my adventures in Dunery would make me incredibly rich. I could also bring strange things home from Dunery and sell them. I mean... What would the skull of a monster be worth? Or even my clothes? Or shoes? Or just about anything else I had? And if my escape triggered the curse, and my parents were jailed again, well, I'd easily have enough money to buy their freedom. Or better still, if I had a bit of a lavon, I'd just bust them out of jail. The more I thought about these opportunities, the easier my early days in Dunery became. However, the more I really thought about these opportunities, the more I wondered about them. Sure, if I brought Shiny Top home, this would guarantee me fame and fortune. But if I introduced a talking stick to the world, that talking stick wouldn't be mine for long. Everybody else would want poor old Shiny Top. And I couldn't inflict our world on him like that. he got enough problems on his own as it is. So... I was going to have to think long and hard about what escaping back home would mean. I had enormous power at my fingertips. What would happen if I brought that power back home? You might think that's an awfully big question for a 14-year-old to think about, but I had thought about similar stuff before going into Dunery. History was my favourite school subject. I'd often wished I could go back in time with some advanced technology and change things. Killing Hitler would be a good example. But even if I had a time machine, what gave me the right to alter history? If I brought back stuff from Dunery, it could have altered history too. Undoubtedly. The truth was, for someone who can't handle being the centre of attention, I doubt if I could use any of that stuff anyway, without going completely loopy. The best I could hope for was to bring Shiny Top with me, use him as some kind of really clever ventriloquist dummy and keep the truth behind it a secret. World building tip number six. 
when you're creating any technology for your world, think about how that technology will affect another world if it was introduced there. Or think about how the advanced technology of one segment of your world might affect a less developed segment of the same world if it was introduced there. Other topics in Series 1 included map making, food, family background, and my current status in society. In Series 2, I will expand on these topics and examine the importance of architecture, location, commerce, and the lives of ordinary people. This would be based on my first adventures out of Ganhu's compound into the City of Bones. To give a sneak peek of Series 2, I'll mention Scorpix, an infinitely more advanced illness than spirit voice. Scorpix is a parasitic creature that grows within the human host, mimicking the host's internal structure until the Scorpix becomes the host. It's nasty stuff, but rarely fatal. The symptoms are easy to spot, and the Scorpix is removed bit by bit over time. Often, as a survival status symbol, the recovered host may display the Scorpix remains in a glass jar. This proves that there's no end of dumb, no matter what dimension you're in. Why, you might wonder, isn't the Scorpix dead? No, it's not. It's got a half-life of 50 years. Its segments don't rest easy, and bad things happen if that jar ever breaks. Series 2 will also have a new segment detailing how I will recreate the world of Doonery as a digital twin. So, why am I recreating Doonery as a digital twin? Well, the human civilization of Doonery is engaged in an age-old battle with powerful entities called spirit storms. If humanity loses, oblivion will follow. Because of this threat, Ganhuk has tasked me to store all the personal documentation I've made since I arrived in Dunery off-world. This would be just one, one of many records of Dunery stored in a different places. My notes will be stored in physical and digital form in Ireland. Some of them will be housed in a virtual Dunery embassy. Stage one of the Dunery digital twin is the information gathering stage. Of course, I've already got all that information, but it's held on a Levun-based Dunery information gathering system. As part of my digital twin, I need to translate all this information onto a digital system back home. Firstly, I will explain the system that I use to log my knowledge of Dunery. Then I'll explain the software system back home that I will use to store that information, or at least store the blueprints from which to start constructing the digital twin. In episode 10, Ganhook introduced me to Levun, the energy source that powers most things in Dunaree. Actually, he spent much of his time moaning about how Levun was misused. One misuse was junk mail voice advertising. These were harmless spells that passed into people's houses and whispered advertising to them. One such voice I heard that day advertised an organisational book called Brain Petals. According to the book, the book enables you to create an infinite number of chain pages, called petals, to log an infinite supply of information. 
It sounded perfect to log my experiences here. Trouble was, I had no money, and I had no way of getting outside the to buy a brain petal anyway. When I asked Stein Cat to buy me one, she got curious. She wouldn't buy it though. She said I needed Ganhook's permission to bring anything like that into the compound. So I asked Ganhook. Knowing how he detested those junk mail voices, I sold the idea along the lines of enabling my dunary education. It's intrusive advertising, Ganhook said. We shouldn't be encouraging that. I detected a note of curiosity in his tone, however. Could Ganhook, just like everybody else, be just a little bit susceptible to junk mail? I can't ev- remember everything I learned here, I said. And I can't write it all down in one place either. Ganhook said, Drawing helps remember things. Aren't you learning to draw? I picked up one of my drawing practice sheets. I'd been drawing the room furniture, but the only resemblance to furniture I'd managed was furniture that had passed through a mangler. Look, I said, even I don't know what that is, and I drew it. Ganhook glanced at my scribbled drawings and smiled. Two days later, he brought me a brain petal. The book was actually a box. When you opened it, a virtual mini-tree sprouted out of it. Using a rod that came with the book, you could pull virtual branches from the trunk and then tap the branch to sprout leaves from it. The rod also enabled you to write and draw on the leaves. When you were done, the whole thing folded neatly away. This is how I log my dunary experiences to this day. Unfortunately, I can't use my brain petal books to transfer all my dunary information onto digital citizens back home in Ireland, but I have found something similar that I can use on those systems. It's called mind mapping software, and in episode one of series two, I will demonstrate how I am using it to create the basic outline of my dunary digital twin. This software is ideal software for anyone building out another world. Well, sadly, that's it for Series 1 of the Insider World Building Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and got something out of it. Every future podcast episode will contain a new section detailing the tools and methods I use to create the World of Dunery Digital Twin. Series 2 will begin on November the 2nd. I hope you can join me. And if you know anyone else who is interested in learning about life in another dimension or world building, please tell them about my show. Until November the 2nd, goodbye. Or, as we say in Dunaree, Dreavik. <laughs>